0: Dear Young Rocker is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis Productions. Dear Young Rocker, welcome to junior year of high school. For some people, this is when they hit their stride, find out where they fit in, and start feeling confident at school. Those people are different than you. Maybe, socially, things are getting even more complex and hard, but musically you are doing pretty great. You're going to make more mistakes, but you're also going to make some choices that are technically good for you, even though they are going to be very difficult. A lot of the time, changing your course for the better and breaking ties with negative situations creates big waves. And to you, that might seem like you're still screwing it all up and back down because of the recourse. But I promise as scary as it all is, you are on the right path. I wish I could hold your hand, but you're meant to walk it alone. Like, really alone. And that's okay. Hey, as I write this, it's a Friday, and I know I'm hanging out alone tonight. Maybe even tomorrow night, too. To you, this might sound like a reason to say mean things about yourself, but to me, it says freedom. I'm going to dye my hair pink and watch embarrassing TV shows and maybe even write a song for the first time in a while. Being alone isn't necessarily bad at all, my friend. Okay, tell us what's up. I walk into the big room and sit in a plastic chair in front of the timpani and xylophones. The tall kid with curly blonde hair and sideburns is already sitting in there, but no one else. He's got headphones on. I can't hear what he's listening to. He gives me a sort of nod with a shy side eye. Then he starts banging on the music stand in front of him with two pencils. I put my own headphones on. I like the days that I have music theory first period. I can go into the super quiet classroom that's set off from the rest of the school and sit there before the bell rings instead of having to be in the busy hallway trying not to get freaked out and overwhelmed by all the people talking. I can tell this guy is on the same page. We haven't talked yet, even though we've been the only two in the room a few times now. I look at him drumming and have an idea. I wave at him to take off his headphones. Uh, hey. Uh, do you like playing real drums? Uh, yeah. Sort, sort of. Sure. Um, do you want to be in a band? Oh, oh, uh, wow, uh, gee, uh, okay. Cool. He starts blushing. It's kind of cute. So when summer started, Ricky and I didn't talk to Nick. We played some shows with this freshman kid named Bobby. He was pretty okay at drums, and he was always really happy to practice and play gigs, unlike grumpy Nick. Ricky had to show him how to play in three for part of one of our really long songs. But other than that, he did good. He really liked The Killers and My Chemical Romance and wanted to wear eyeliner like them and all the other bands now that are really into that look. I think it's dumb. But his mom wouldn't let him. She didn't seem to really like him to be in a band at all, actually, but I brought my makeup and drew eyeliner on him before the shows we played. We did a pretty funny goth photo shoot once with all three of us wearing a ton of eyeliner, and we wrapped curly guitar cables around our necks and pretended to look dead, because that's, like, in for some reason. Once school started up again, though, we gradually sort of stopped hearing from Bobby. We'd ask him to practice, and he wouldn't show up or call us about it. He said his mom didn't like him being in a band and wanted him to focus more on his homework. We thought that was a pretty lame excuse, but whatever. Then I met the guy in my music theory class, Dan. It turned out he was, like, very good at drums. And had a practice space in his basement. Oh, yeah! After we stopped playing with Nick, we had to change our name again, naturally. Ricky and me decided on The Psychics, spelled P-S-Y-K-I-C-K-S, because we had the same thoughts all the time and decided we were psychic with each other. I started writing some songs, too. Well, at least the parts of them, and then Ricky would put them together. I wrote one about the first seat cellist in our orchestra. She was younger than me, so I really should be the first seat due to seniority. After all, last year that jock dude Jim got first seat only because he was older than me. The orchestra director even told me that after we had done a cello battle. But Emily has a fancy cello teacher and a super expensive cello and can play the super high notes. But I play way more in tempo and have better rhythm. I am a bass player in a band after all, and the first seat is supposed to lead the section. I'm always trying to slow her down, but she just races ahead of the tempo. It's totally obvious how happy she is to be seen as better than the rest of us. So anyway, I wrote... I wrote another song about how I always feel like I totally suck at singing. It starts with that ska bass line I wrote. I can't sing and keep up with playing that part at the same time, so Ricky sings the verses. Pick it up! Know that you can't do it You can't sing a song Listen to that awful voice. He's kind of representing the voice in my head. Then I come in in the chorus and I answer. It feels good to yell at the dumb thoughts in my head. I'm still not sure I totally agree with the confident part, but at least I can pretend for a while while I'm singing. The band started sounding really good after we practiced with Dan for a while. He can actually play guitar and bass too, so he knows how to make the songs really work and helps us figure out parts when we write new stuff. It's a big improvement from Nick. In the romance department, though, things are still weird. So I started feeling all these um urges since, like, ninth grade. They've gotten progressively worse. And I know Ricky deals with it, too. Sometimes when we make out, he gets really into it and ends up like, getting a wet spot in his pants, whatever you want to call that. But it's not fair. Like, he is clearly all done. He even giggles. But I just feel achy and lightheaded and grumpy and want to punch stuff and don't know what to do about it. I kind of feel like I'm going to explode all the time and have no idea how to deal. I think that maybe I'm going to have to, like, you know go all the way, like actually do it for real to feel better. That's at least what my body and brain keep trying to tell me. Sometimes I imagine how much of a relief it would be, but per my mom and Ricky's dad, we aren't allowed to be alone together. We tried to find spots to pull over in my mom's car in the woods, But when we found the most remote spot, a huge truck with spotlights on it drove slowly past us. And then I saw all the no trespassing signs on the side of the road. One time we found a good spot, but he couldn't uh, get the thing on all the way, I guess. Like it only went up halfway. And so we were worried it wouldn't work. Like what if uh, stuff came out of it? Honestly, I think we were both kind of relieved when we decided to drive away. I was feeling really shaky. When I imagine doing it, though, it's definitely not with Ricky. It's with Chris. I know there's supposedly things you can do to yourself, but... I don't really want to like reach all the way up there or whatever it is you have to do. That freaks me out. I don't even like using tampons for that reason. So I think maybe I need um, some object that I don't also want to say the name of to do that. And there's no way I could ever get one. Plus, what if my mom found it? She's always looking around my room. Sometimes, when I'm super pent-up, I even have dreams where I'm running around my house, desperately looking for something of the right shape and size to make the feeling go away. I talked about it with Chris on AIM since he's older and not a virgin, and even though I'm intimidated to talk to him in person, I can say anything on AIM. He told me to rub some part of myself, but I really didn't know what he was talking about. They didn't explain any of this to us in health class. Like, I know what boys do because it's pretty obvious, but I don't know what I can do. I just said to Chris, I don't think I have that part, or maybe it's broken. So I just stay awake all night, sweating and aching. One time I was walking home and there were two dorky boys ahead of me. I had been feeling that achy, annoying feeling in my guts for like five days in a row, because my period was coming. In my head, I was yelling out at them Hey, that's my house right there. No one's home. Which one of you wants to do it with me? It almost actually came out of my mouth, I think. I still just want to be with Chris, though. We played a pretty good show at Ricky's family's church in Worcester. A lot of kids came out to it. As a stunt at the end of our last song, me and Dan both pulled out a pair of scissors and cut all of Ricky's long hair off. It was pretty cool, and I thought he suddenly looked cuter, or at least different. At one point after we played, I was walking around the room, and I turned around and noticed Chris way over on the other side. I had felt him looking at me, he was just staring. I liked it. That night in my diary, I wrote a poem. You looked at me. It was sexual. It was animal. It was everything I've ever wanted. As a band, we decided we needed to get new recordings since we still only had the not-so-great ones from John. Chris said he could do it for us. We did most of the tracking in Ricky's basement where we usually practiced. Dan suggested we add lots of extra tracks of clapping and percussion to make it sound fuller. We even used a slinky on one. It seemed like this EP would come out way better than our last one. At one point we took a break and Ricky and Dan went upstairs. I was still downstairs with Chris. He laid down on the carpet on his back with his eyes closed and stretched his arms over his head. His hoodie popped up and I could see a few inches of his furry stomach. I had the strongest, strangest urge to get down next to him and put my face on it. I didn't say a word. A week later, me and Ricky went to Chris's house to do some final guitar and bass readups. I had messed some stuff up, and Ricky wanted to redo some solos and add more guitar tracks. After he was done, the last thing left to do was a bass part, so Ricky went home. I was finally alone with Chris, sitting on the edge of his bed. I wanted to impress him. I wanted to say whatever I could to be with him. After I was done recording, I started talking to him about Ricky. I said how annoying it was that he wanted to be with me every minute of the day. Chris said, that's normal, he's your boyfriend. He didn't get it. Ricky was clingy. He was driving me nuts lately. I mean, he was literally clingy, like physically. He would wrap himself around me like a weird spider monkey or jump on my back because he weighs, like, way less than I do, probably like 95 pounds or something. It was like a little brother or a pet. Like, okay as a friend goofing around once in a while, but not exactly attractive when it happens constantly. Chris still didn't get it. Ricky's cool, he said. I knew I should put my money where my mouth is and dump him, but I just couldn't. The band was doing so well. And I thought about how he had threatened me before we even started going out to stop talking to me and break up the band. This record needed to come out. I couldn't ruin it all right now. And I couldn't tell Chris all that. I looked into his eyes. Every time I made eye contact with him, I still felt butterflies. What I really wanted to say was... I am completely in love with you, but I am terrified to say it, and I can't bring myself to dump Ricky, even though I'm not feeling it at all anymore. But I didn't. Hey, Chris. Mom's making her famous, uh, pizza. Uh, does Chelsea want to stay? I didn't know if my mom had dinner plans for us. I said, no, thanks. When I went downstairs with my base, his dad asked again, Are you sure? Yeah, I wasn't sure. I just knew my mom said she'd pick me up at 7, and I tried to call her cell phone, and she wouldn't pick up. I'm also just really shy and nervous around people's parents. Having dinner with my biggest crush in the world and his parents sounded scary. I probably wouldn't be able to breathe, never mind even eat the pizza. Eventually, my mom showed up. I got in the car. I told her they asked me to stay for pizza, and she said, Why didn't you stay? You can go back if you want. I'll get you later. No, I said. I felt like I would look stupid if I went back in. That night, in my bed, I put my head under my pillow and screamed into my mattress as loud as I could, over and over again until I was so out of oxygen I felt my face burning. Then I kicked my legs under the covers until I almost passed out. Why didn't you stay, you idiot, 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 I told myself. I slapped my head and I cried. I couldn't sleep. I knew I'd never be able to tell someone I liked them. I'd never be able to get what I actually wanted. Because I would always let people take advantage of me. I'd only ever date people I don't even really find attractive in any way at all. And never make any cool friends because I'm a stupid friggin' idiot who can't talk to anyone she thinks is remotely cool. Why can I only talk to people who I think are dorkier than me? I might as well die. I thought. School has sucked since screwing over Nick. I see him around and feel terrible. I just don't feel like I have a real group anymore, and I've never felt like an official part of Ricky's friends, even though that's kind of my only choice of who to hang out with. They're all in AP classes together, and a bunch of them have wealthy parents. One girl has like a mini movie theater in her house. They seem to think they're better than everyone. Or at least never feel self-conscious, ever. Never seem to worry they're cool enough to talk to anyone else. How nice would that friggin' be? Huh? It pisses me off as much as it intimidates me. Being a total dick is their only way of interacting. One time, one of these boys was walking toward me in the hall. When he passed me, he said, Hey, it's Chelsea Erson. What's wrong with your face? Why is it so ugly? Maybe he was right. Maybe that's why I don't have any friends besides my band. I don't know what to do. I thought he was the ugly one. I imagine punching out his giant teeth. I went into the lunchroom one time to find a seat. And that mean kid and Ricky's other friends were mostly taking up an eight-person table. There were two seats left, but they both had bird poop all over them because there were a lot of birds living in the ceiling due to the construction going on all over the school. Our cafeteria is what used to be the gym. I just kind of hovered and looked at the seats for a while. Ricky wasn't there yet. No one said hi to me or told me to sit down. I started feeling like maybe I was unwelcome and walked over to the empty table next to theirs. I knew they probably thought I was weird. Screw those preppy dicks. Sometimes, Ricky's best friend Drew hangs around when we practice. He can be kind of annoying and says dumb stuff or flails around when we play to get attention. Sometimes he can be funny, but he still strikes me as kind of a prick His humor is like Zach Galifianakis, absurd and obnoxious. It's a lot funnier when it's on TV rather than in your face. At one practice, I was talking about something, and Ricky said, that's why you have no friends. And Drew laughed at it, and it seemed like he was agreeing. Nothing anyone's ever said to me in my entire life has ever made me so mad. They had hit my most painful insecurity. I've always struggled with friends, but I thought they were some of my only ones. Maybe he's right, I thought for a second. I mean, if I can't seem to be in a group of friends, not even my boyfriend's best friends, well then maybe I'm just completely socially incompetent. The hurt was so deep it turned into instant blind, out of control anger. I've never yelled at anyone in my life, but I started right then. I felt like my body was just doing the yelling while I fell backwards into a black hole. My vision turned off. Everything was black and all I could sense was this heat getting hotter and hotter. I don't even know what I said. When I came back, I saw their faces give me the you're being a crazy stupid girl look, which made me even angrier. I usually waited at Ricky's and had my mom pick me up, but since Dan had his mom's car, I asked him to drive me home right then. He had seen the whole thing and agreed that I needed to go. On the ride, I told him how I thought Ricky and Drew were dickwads. Dan said he really didn't understand how I was dating Ricky because I was a nice person. I suddenly didn't get it myself. I really wish I could never have to see Ricky's dumb friends or go to that stupid school ever again. Yeah, yeah. Dear Young Rocker, Oh boy, that was completely unfair of them. I am glad you spoke your mind, whatever it was you said, instead of just running home crying like a younger you probably would have done. You can't let the bullies get away with crap like that, no matter how crazy they think you are when you defend yourself. But now I have to break some hard truth to you. It is technically your fault that you're not in a group, as in, stuff you have done is why you're not. Before you get mad at me, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean you haven't actively done the things you need to do to get yourself a big group of friends. But, like, so what? Who cares? You don't like big groups of people, it's fine. It's, like, totally and completely okay to not be in a clique, no matter what movies and TV and the jerks at school say. Let me explain some. Don't take this the wrong way, but you were ostracizing yourself by not sitting at Ricky's friend's table. I know it always feels like what is going on around you is making you feel uneasy, but because of your anxiety, it's actually the opposite. First, your brain makes you feel uneasy which makes you have bad thoughts about yourself, like, I don't belong with anyone, I'm not good enough. And then you manifest those thoughts in reality. So technically it's your brain's fault, so I'm not trying to make you feel guilty here, but sadly your brain and you are one being. I wish I could tell you how to make those thoughts stop forever, But here I am at 31, and I haven't figured that one out yet. What you will eventually learn to do instead is when those thoughts come up, you learn to not trust them. Look, for example, here's how we could rewrite that lunch table scene. You walk over and see one seat left. It has bird poop on it. Instead of looking down and sort of looking around anxiously, hoping someone will notice you and then walking away when they don't. You say, Ew, what's wrong with this school? I'm going to sit there, but I have to get this nasty crap off the seat. Save my seat for me while I go get some paper towels. That's it. It's you taking control instead of letting the dumb kids and your negative thoughts take over. Your brain wasn't in a place to do that, so it's fine. Again, I'm not mad at you, just letting you know how it could have gone. And when that one kid came up to you and said you were ugly, your self-conscious brain believed it. A stronger you would realize that is total crap and had said back to him something like, takes one and no one, buddy. It's hard. It takes years to learn how to not believe your thoughts, and you will have days, especially the few days before your period every month, where you won't have the mental strength to put those thoughts down. I'm sorry that no one's taught you this yet. Your mom saying to you that you need to grow a backbone like her is entirely unhelpful and just makes you feel worse about it. You have a backbone, You are incredibly strong for surviving high school as someone with terrible social anxiety. You just need to learn the tricks of how to get around it. Again, it is perfectly okay to not be part of a group. It's okay to just not be a group person. Some of us do well in groups, and some of us do not. For many years, you're going to just keep saying to yourself that you haven't found the right group. You'll keep thinking that in each group you encounter, the people aren't cool enough, interested enough in the things you are, funny enough, whatever it is that makes you feel like you don't have a connection to them. Eventually, you'll realize maybe it's not the group, maybe it's you. And that's totally okay. Media tells us we have to be in a group to be happy, especially as young people and super especially in high school. Basically, every sitcom or teen movie is about being in a group. The people who choose to hang out by themselves are portrayed as disturbed, demented, or incredibly depressed. The angry goth with scars on her wrists. They may make it seem like only people who have something horribly wrong with them are alone. The only other option portrayed is to be someone who longs to be in a group, but is ostracized by them. A kid with a physical disability who needs to use a cane or a wheelchair, for instance, and gets made fun of. Those are the only two options we see in media. Well-adjusted, normal, able-bodied people are supposed to be in a group, even if they are nerdy or weird. Those people are just in the nerdy weird group, right? No way. Groups just aren't that great for some people. For so many years, I've told myself this story about how I must be defective because I never made many friends in high school. I mean, even up until I first started writing this podcast, I still sort of believed that. I'm totally overbeating myself up now, though. I was just different. So are a lot of people, and that's chill. If we had all met each other back then, we could have had our own totally weird group that doesn't really hang out together. And here's another thought. For you, the constant flux of under-the-surface tension and relations between different group members just overloads your social capacity and your senses. It's kind of an ADHD thing, but we'll get to that in a later episode. But for now, realize that you only find a deep connection with one person in a group usually anyway, and that's what you want in a friend. You don't want dumb, surface-level conversation. So what's the point of having a group? To succeed in group situations, you have to constantly say sort of boring small talk stuff that pleases everyone. You can't really have deep talks without someone disagreeing or not getting your point. And you can't sit in silence like you can with a close friend. Also, every group talks behind each other's backs, It's almost required that when you're alone with one or two other group members, you critique the missing one in order to feel closer to the people you're with, and then vice versa when they aren't present. That feels dishonest and yucky to you, because it is. You hate drama and people talking about each other, so you opt out of it. It's fine. Screw groups. TV and movies don't show it, but lone wolves can be totally happy as long as they don't fall for the I'm alone, so there must be something wrong with me message coming from the outside. Be yourself. Hang with a friend once in a while and have a real connection. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, as for the physical stuff going on, man, I am sorry. The sexual education in this country really fails, especially for girls and pretty much anyone that's not a cis boy. You live in a time before Google, too, and your only experience with sex stuff on the internet is porn, which you're not at all interested in, and wouldn't exactly give you a realistic depiction of how you could, uh, help yourself out anyway. All I can say is, I'm just happy you aren't doing anything unsafe, and you have plenty more years to safely and happily enjoy all of that stuff And no, you definitely do not have to go all the way with someone to get the relief you're looking for. All you need is yourself, my friend. But this is not the place or time to explain that in more detail. I know it doesn't feel like it, but I promise you will end up okay. Just about five bajillion more mistakes till you get there. next time on dear young rocker chelsea says a painful goodbye to a big part of her life and considers don 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 college Reminder, y'all, I still want to see more of your most awkward trying-to-be-cool young rocker pics on Instagram, so please post a pic of yourself, write a caption of what you would say to your younger self, and make sure to include hashtag Dear Young Rocker, tag me, and you'll have the chance to win a cool prize pack with a CD player and a DYR jersey. Dear Young Rocker was written and created by me, Chelsea Erson, and executive produced by Jake Brennan of Disgraceland. I also wrote the theme song, the transition music, and made a good amount of the sound design. My friend, Daniel Radin, who has a cool band called Future Teens, voiced my high school Dan and helped me record and mix the redos of my high school band songs that you heard in this episode. Jack Pombriant mixed the F, and Sean Cahalan helped out too. Thank you to everyone again who sent me a lovely message about what the show means to you and anyone who's left a nice review on Apple Podcasts. That helps me out so much. Of course, the number one thing you can do to help this show is to just tell someone about it and send them the link to listen so they have no excuse not to. Word of mouth is still the best way to spread this kind of thing, so thank you to everyone who's told, your friends, and your kids and your kids' friends about it. I really appreciate it. Rocker is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.